This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hello there and welcome to the Bite Size Business Breakfast live again from Dubai Commerce City. It is a Tuesday, November the 6th and these are our top stories. Going to dive straight in to the new Dubai budget. Three years, quarter of a trillion dirhams and some very bold predictions from the Crown Prince Sheikh Hamdan. Going to get the thoughts of Dan Richards, Senior Economist at Emirates NBD. Then talking the economics of food. Alan Smith is the Chief Executive Officer of Agthea Group. Their Q3 earnings are out. He's been in conversation with Brandy Scott. Next, we're going to give you our interview with Haider Ali Khan. He's a unicorn, CEO of the billion-dollar tech firm Dubizzle Group. We're going to be talking to him about plans for a possible IPO. Hint, he says, if they do it, it will be here in Dubai. And finally, looking at the return of cruise liners to the seas and to Dubai. Virgin Voyages, Richard Branson's latest venture, its maiden stop in the Arabian Gulf, is here in Dubai. Tom's been speaking to one of the bosses at that cruise line, Alex Zeitz. He joined us down there in Commerce City. All that to come, but first up, those budget numbers. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. We've been looking at some of the big stories of the day, uh, and of course, they don't get much bigger than Dubai budget. That's right, it is out. It came out yesterday. Going to get some thoughts now from the economist Dan Richards of Emirates MBD. Morning, Dan. Thanks for joining us. Hi, good morning, Richard. So, budget is out. Three year budget. What did we learn? Yeah, so as you might expect, it's still pretty expansionary in terms of the spending plan. So that chiming in with the very ambitious growth targets. So over the next three years, the 2024 to 26 period, there's a budget of 246.6 billion dirhams allocated. And next year for fiscal 2024, there's 79.1 billion dirhams, which would mark a 17.2% increase on what was allocated last year, which was itself a 13% rise on the previous year's allocated budget. So ongoing growth there in spending plans. Now, some of that will be down to inflation, but I think that largely it's a reflection of the ongoing growth in the Dubai economy and indeed the ambition to continue that growth over the coming years. Well, let's look at the the spending side of this equation. Where's the money going to go, Dan, that extra 17.2%? Yeah, so as usual, there is around quarter allocated for salaries and a quarter for general administrative purposes and the general day-to-day running of what is needed to run uh, government and economy like Dubai's. But I think what was quite interesting was that 8% of the budget has been allocated to construction projects. And that's despite maybe a sense in some quarters that the the big building projects in Dubai might be done, but now the the big growth is elsewhere. That is not the case. They continue. The government still plans to continue investing heavily in the kind of construction projects needed to underpin the ongoing growth and the new development of uh, the development of new industries to, to facilitate that growth over the coming years. Where's the money going to come from? I was looking at the numbers. Obviously, you've crunched them in more detail. There is a little bit of debt involved in that. There's a bit of a deficit, but not much. So where does that cash come from? Yeah, so obviously a growing economy that will bring in more revenue and there are the new new corporate income tax rules that will help uh, bring that in as well. And of course, we have the very strong growth in the transport and logistics sector that has been the key driver of, the, uh, of Dubai's economic growth over recent quarters, not only through the airlines, 
but also for reports. So all of these things will help help boost the budget over the coming years. So in terms of the balance, they uh, the, the press release envisages a surplus, a budget surplus of 3.3% of GDP over that three-year period. And for the next fiscal year, and when we look at our own in-house forecast, we see a, a budget surplus of 2.2% of GDP for that year. Uh, Dan, we've got these ambitious targets to double GDP. What's going to have to happen to the population in order to make that a reality? Yeah, of course, that, that was reaffirmed yesterday, and it is a very ambitious plan. To, to double over 10 years, you need around 7% growth a year. So our forecast for this year is for 4%, but with heavy upside risk. But obviously, you need a bit more to hit that doubling. Some of that, as you say, will come from population growth. We don't have up-to-date census figures, but when we look at the proxy indicators, like phone subscriptions and, and those private school enrollment figures that came out last week, and I think anecdotally for anyone on the road at rush hour as well, the, the population is growing, and that will help feed through into that. But that isn't going to be the only driver. We'd also expect there to be the growth in these key high-value uh, manufacturing sectors and knowledge investment in new, new technologies to help grow, grow the GDP as well. But with that population growth, I mean, you mentioned construction there, 40-odd percent of the budget for next year is earmarked for infrastructure, roads, bridges, uh, other transport-related um, infrastructure. What needs to happen in order to support this population growth? Yeah, well, you know, as I said, anyone who's been on the roads recently, especially going north and at Russia on Sheikhzai, for instance, will have felt that busier population. So there are always ongoing works, as you say, to kind of build those new slip roads, to build new roads linking various uh, various key transport nodes. That will have to continue, as will, you know, the, the investment in some of the more some of the other public the, the public transport. I think uh, needs to be needs to be boosted as well, perhaps. To, potentially take some of those cars off the roads, which will also help with the, with the zero emissions agenda. Dan Richards, economist at Emirates MBD. Those budget numbers are significant for Dubai. 17% increase in spending next year. Appreciate your time this morning. Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Yeah, where we are speaking to the Food and Water Group, Agthea. They've just published their results for the first nine months of the year. Profit rising by just under 13%, revenue up around 11%. Joined now by the Chief Executive Officer of the group, Alan Smith. Alan, good morning. It's lovely to speak to you again. Morning. Right, what's behind the numbers? What's contributing particularly to that growth in revenue? Look, I think we, we, we've had a very strong cause. We're pretty happy with the numbers. Big growth coming through our snacking portfolio. Also great results in the UAE with our water and food business and our agri portfolio. A bit more stress on our protein business, mainly because of the, the Egyptian pound devaluation. But I think overall a strong set of numbers. What have you seen in terms of the commodities costs, the, the costs of the products that you are sourcing? So on a year-to-date basis, I think we're still negative on commodity impacts, so about 15 million ahead of last year, higher. But certainly in quarter three, we saw that trend improving. So a good bounce back. You know, we're starting to see the pipeline of our, of our raw materials reflecting our, um, reflect our cost of input. And that's also reflected in the improvement in our margins during the quarter, which is ahead of our revenue growth, which is, uh, which is great to see. What about other input costs that we know people um, have been facing recently? Wage costs, for example, and higher interest rates. 
Yeah, without a doubt. If you look on a year-to-day basis, so you look at our results from a, uh, from a profitability perspective, that's actually after absorbing 39 million dirhams of incremental interest costs versus the previous year. So again, the numbers are pretty impressive when we, we take into account that inflationary environment. Certainly seeing pressure on, uh, on uh, employee costs, and that's something we uh, we have to monitor closely and make sure that we're uh, we're looking after our employees and, uh, and and the cost of living, not just in the UAE but across the region. Uh, you say absorbing costs. Have you had to pass any of that on to the customer? What's happening to your prices? We've during the course of the year we've we've had to balance um, pricing. We've had, we've focused on productivity. So how do we improve our uh, you know our, our cost of manufactured goods? And that's been a big focus for us. We also focus on net revenue management. So how do we improve the mix of our products in the business? How do we focus on you know, more profitable parts of the portfolio? So we're always conscious and obviously the impact is different across markets of the impact of inflationary pressure on our consumers. We have to take into account, com- into account the competitive set. So I think we've done a pretty good job in terms of balancing pricing. We haven't seen any incremental pricing during the third quarter. So I think the trend is, is certainly moving in the right direction. But if we look over the nine months, and I'm selfishly more interested in the UAE, um, have you had to increase the the prices of any of your products? So if we look at across our business, then what I would say of the revenue growth we have, roughly 80% is coming from volume and 20% is coming from the pricing side. But even the pricing is is a little bit disguised by improvements in our, our, our mix. If you look at our water business, We've seen strong growth in our, you know, our innovative products. You know, the the the, the launch of our RPET uh, water product is is growing significantly. Our glass bottle water product is growing significantly. Same with our, our plant-based bottles. So we're seeing an improved mix in the business rather than direct price increases. One of the reasons that I'm I'm asking about this is because I know if we look at some of the FMCG results coming out of the US, um, we have seen people still buying um, despite higher prices, but possibly trading down in in some categories um, as they worry about the cost of living. What are you seeing your customers here do? Look, it really depends from category to category, and it really depends what's motivating consumers. As we said, we've seen a trend of people moving to more sustainable solutions in water that's certainly at the uh, the higher end of the market market obviously at the lower end of the market or at the, the the basic level we're seeing some pressure and some down trading in terms of different choices look uh, uh, the good thing about our business is it's very diverse now we're, we're operating across multiple markets we have different levers to pull in terms of managing our overall profitability and we're able to translate that into the results that we've seen in the third quarter Well, you have mentioned water there, and one of the reasons we enjoy speaking to you is because water is such a great indicator of what's happening to population, given that it's fairly commodified um, on the supermarket shelves. Here in the UAE, what have you seen happen to water sales and what can we take from it? I think the water business is in good shape. Um, I think the, the, you know, if we look at the revenue growth, it's around six, seven percent, which is, uh, you know, from our perspective, is 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 very positive. I think you know we know that the population, we can tell by the traffic in in the UAE, is on the increase. That's certainly being reflected. Strong performance in food service, strong performance in modern trade. Um, strong performance in, in home delivery as well. So, you know, across the key metrics that kind of we focus on, certainly we're seeing the robustness in the UAE economy.
Are you able to help us by putting a, a percentage on volume sales for water here in the UAE? Yeah. Volume sales uh, around five percent is the increase in volume that we've seen this year. Revenue around seven and seven and a half eight percent. So as you say, that's mainly coming from the mix. So the the the, the more premium part of our portfolio is selling more. Okay, I'm actually conveniently have one of your water bottles here with me this morning, Alain Water. Reading your results, I noticed as you mentioned there the the talk of sustainability. To my uneducated eye, this is a plastic bottle, but is it a recycled plastic bottle, which I know is something you're doing? How sustainable is this water? So this is a re- that is a standard product that is not recycled plastic. We launched in February, actually in April this year, 100% our pet product that we make available in the market and it's growing very nicely. You know, our glass bottle is growing very nicely. We're seeing a lot more collaboration with you know, food through the food service channels or away from home with offices and, and with hotels in terms of sustainable solutions. Um, so look, we continue to see that, that portfolio grow. In terms of the, the uh, PET bottles, obviously we have our sustainability partnerships with uh, people like Veolia, with our recap program, which is looking to drive us you know, as much of uh, the uh, recycled, uh, as much of the PET back into the market through recycling. And we have that long-term commitment to uptake agreement uh, you know, with the government in terms of you know, the establishment of a PET recycling plant within the UAE. So it continues to be a, you know, a top priority for Agri. One minute left with you. Ironically, your competition is also outside my house in some ways. I've got a wonderful big um, Dubai can refillable water station. Are you seeing more water available to people to fill up impacting your sales at, at this plastic bottle end of the market? Look, we're seeing growth in the overall water category. I think companies like Agthea, yeah, we're number one in the market. We are, we like to think we're a thought leader in terms of developing innovative new products, whether that's nutritional products or sustainable products. The trend in filtration and, and the availability of water across the, the city and across the, the nation is going to continue. And, you know, for us, that has to be part of our, uh, part of our plans moving forward. So, yes, we see uh, the consumption of water going up. The solutions have to continue to be important um, and we have to be part of that agenda. So uh, overall water going up and the mix definitely improving and, and op- further opportunities for grow if we make the right strategic decisions. Lovely to speak to you this morning. Alan Smith is the Chief Executive Officer for the Agthea Group, talking to us through their earnings this morning for the first nine months of this year, net profit up by around 13%. Just the highlights. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. One CEO who's at the beginning of his and his company's journey as a listed company. He is Haider Ali Khan. He is with us live in our pop-up studio at Dubai Commerce City. He's the CEO of Debizzle Group, Mina. Haider, good morning. Thanks for being with us. Uh, good morning to you as well. Let's start off with talk of IPO, of what is now called Debizzle Group. So Debizzle and Bayut in my simple terms. You've hinted at this before in the past lots of stories on the likes of Bloomberg and Reuters doing the rounds that you've appointed investment banks for this that and the other lots of rumors on the business breakfast I'm not going to lie as well <laughs> what's really going on um, you know as, as you pointed out we run two brands under uh, the Bizzle group which is uh, d- uh, which are the Bizzle and Bayut and um, these are two of the largest digital brands in the country um, 
and and you know this is you know this is a part in the evolution of the of the company itself and, and the brands themselves uh, that we've reached a level where we can look at those kind of things where you know obviously in the natural evolution of a company you after eight ten years if you're successful you start looking at uh, you know what's the best for the investors and the shareholders and the people working at the company so as as part of the natural evolution of the company you know and if if you reach that point then then you start looking at what's best for shareholders investors and the employees. And one of the paths uh, going forward uh, would be an uh, would be an IPO, uh, and there there are other options as well. Um, and you know, as as uh, you know, uh, as 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 a CEO of the company over here, um, uh, our my job and and our job uh, internally is to is to make sure that that we're prepared for any eventuality, um, uh, IPO being one. Um, so there's there's a lot of work that typically you have to do uh, to be a generally a listed company. um and uh, as i said you know um we we continue to study those things and understand where do we where do we stand and what do we have to do um if we uh, if and when we actually go for that so. would you consider dubai the dfm it's your hometown it would seem the obvious choice but maybe 18 months ago all the rage were these spack deals special purpose acquisition sure. companies and we had some local firms doing it angami for example the streaming music provider uh, did a spack in the united states what's your thinking about location So SPACs were essentially uh, what, they, what you would call despacking. It was essentially uh, uh, a shortcut to uh, getting into the stock market, um, and you know uh, the, the company that was being acquired by the SPAC would would just get listed. Um, and there was a lot of activity in 2021, 2022 around that stuff, and and unfortunately, a lot of those companies um, haven't fared that well. um because uh, i think some of the valuations were were off when these things happened it was money that was available it needed to be parked um and uh and then to your point of you know the us stock market versus local markets look there's a lot of excitement around the local markets in the region i think there's there's will from the authorities to make sure that that uh, we have a flourishing local market which makes a lot of sense if you think about it because these brands are known over here they're not known in the west right uh, it it's uh, it would be it'd be funny to say oh okay do you know what the bezel is in new york city uh, i don't know how many people would know uh, so from ang- that angle generally speaking it makes a lot of sense um and um and and i think if you look at while there's a dearth of tech uh, ipos i think in the region for the few that have happened they've gotten a local premium um uh, for example in saudi uh, so yeah so it's a uh, It's pretty uh, pretty exciting times uh, to be in the region. So your last round of fundraising I'm looking on your website was October of last year, right? Correct. You raised 200 million dollars yes, from investors correct. including Affinity Partners, which sure. is uh, Jared Kushner, yeah. uh, the actor involved in that. But there wasn't a valuation put on the company at the time. I described you as a unicorn when you came in, billion dollar tech company. What can you tell us about your valuation at the moment or is it all secret squirrel at the moment? Uh I think you answered it yourself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh we just uh we decided not to not to disclose it and you know we're going to stick with that right now. Um but yes, we did raise uh, money um last year and um we raised it uh as you, as you said around October 2022. The toughest environment to raise money frankly. Uh, last year was a very difficult year uh to raise money. Um and i guess that that is a testament to uh the region and and also the the company itself that we were able to raise um and we have a lot of those funds uh in the bank uh, well, what about the core business as we said it's the bizzle group but you've got the bizzle and bayou the sure. the real estate division when it comes to let's look at the uae market that we know i know you're regional 
I, I don't see an obvious competitor to Bizzle in terms of classified listings. Sure. Everyone has competitors, but I can't see an obvious one. And yet when it comes to real estate, it seems like there's Coke and Pepsi. There's you guys and the, there's Property Finder. And sure. again, there are others. But it strikes me that this is a, a, you know, almost a two-horse race. How accurate uh, a characterization is that? Uh, look, I think when it comes to the Bizzle, there really is no second. Um, you know, uh, you could possibly argue that there's a Facebook marketplace, but um, I think what's not very obvious uh, to uh, perhaps uh, you know the eye is that there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes uh, in, uh, at the uh, which which is also very localized. Um, as you must be aware that you know, uh, lately and, and over the last couple of years, few years, uh, there have been a lot of scams and, and people getting scammed and etc. And, and so you know, we've been on a drive um, to get a lot of people verified on the Bizzle. Um, and uh, you know, happy to report that we have over 220,000 people who are verified uh, on the Bizzle and we're going to continue on that journey to make sure it's a safe place. Um, for people to interact and transact. Um, so when it comes to general classifieds, um, there is, it's the Bizzle. Uh, the Bizzle is the place. Um, and then as we continue to look to adding more value-added services, et cetera, you know, we're just going to keep uh, increasing the gap um, with, with whatever else is out there. Um, when it comes to property, yes, it's, it's a pretty happening market. Um, uh, but again, you know, if, if uh, and, and yes, there's competition. Competition is always healthy and welcome. That's fine. Uh, but just to give you a stat, uh, between Bayuth and Debizzle, we're roughly getting about 60 to 65% of the population on the platform every month. And this is, I'm talking about like 6 million people. Transacting or just having just a look? having a look and some transacting. Everybody is, is not transacting all the time, but you know. Um, so we have immense, immense coverage in the UAE, uh, very deep coverage in the UAE when it comes to uh, people looking for items. Uh, and what about around the region? The, the biggest economy is Saudi Arabia. Sure. I, I know you're active there, but obviously not with the brand Dubizzle. Sure. The, the ironically, you're Dubizzle Group, but you're only known as Dubizzle in the UAE. Yeah. Just explain that to us. Uh, so, yes, we are Dubizzle Group, um, and we're known as Dubizzle in the UAE, but we also have rebranded in the region. Uh, so Egypt, we were running OLX, which is, um, well, it's a funny story. It used to be Dubizzle back in the day, then it became OLX, and we've rebranded to Dubizzle. Okay. Uh, and generally in the broader region as well, if you look at uh, you know, GCC countries, we do run uh, general classifieds over there, like in Oman, and they've all been rebranded to Dubizzle. Um, so does, the, does the brand resonate there? Because the dub bit is very local, isn't it? It is very local, but I think everybody knows about Dubai and then also knows about Dubizzle. Uh, you know, so so not, not, not at every level, but I think in certain circles, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly well known. And then it's like any other business where you have to, if it's local in the country, then you just have to go and spend uh, the dollars to market it and, and, and build it up. Oh, well, we're all loving your adverts at the moment on digital adverts. The guy in the big hat and the record yeah, player. Sure, oh, yeah. blimey. Fascinating talking to you. Appreciate you joining us down here at Dubai Commerce City. The thoughts of Haider Ali Khan. He's the CEO of Dubizzle Group for the MENA region. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. Right, who's been down in and around the Dubai Marina, more specifically the Mina Siahi, the Dubai Harbour area, any time recently? If you have, I'm sure you haven't missed uh, a new addition to the landscape, skis, seascape, call it what you will. Uh, on the horizon uh, is something that really cannot be missed at the moment. Why? Because the ladies in town. The resilient lady, to be precise. Newest addition to Sir Richard Branson's uh, Virgin Voyages fleet is here. 
in Dubai, making a UAE first right here in Dubai. Uh, and she doesn't come alone. Uh, the Director of Experience, International Port Ops and Special Events at Virgin Voyages, Alex Zeitz, has also flown in especially for that. He joins us now. Alex, yeah. thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me this morning. It's great. Listen, I'm going to start with um, a, a few sort of formalities, if we can, yeah. because... Um, she is the newest ladyship of, yes. the, of the fleet, is that right? Yes, she is our third ship. She just joined us uh, last May. Um, yeah. The resilient lady, um, she's coming to and she's going where? So she just actually came from Athens. So she came down, um, passed through uh, Cairo area, went to um, Safaga, coming here to Dubai. We had three amazing nights here. So some people got off that, about actually 1,100 came to shore to Dubai, enjoyed. And then we had another 1,000, about 200 join us. And they're making their way actually down to um, India, stopping in Mumbai, Goa, um, then on to uh, Kuala Lumpur and, and finishing that voyage in Singapore. So so 14 amazing days to really enjoy. Extraordinary. So yeah. how much longer in port here? Um, so actually, she's just made her way out. So she's just, morning, yeah, so she's okay. just waking her way out on that journey, making sure she can get to Singapore on time. So we say farewell. Yeah. But I'm sure it won't be the last time that we see the resilient lady. I suppose the next question is, I mean, part and parcel of what we're hearing at the moment yeah. has been a long-term plan to try and get the fleet here in one way or another. Yeah. Why, why Dubai? Why is it a good fix? I think Dubai is just a great place because there's obviously, you know, so many amazing things to do here, the activities, um, you know, going out to the desert. A lot of our, our customers, are, as we call them sailors, come from the States. They come from, you know, UK. They come from Australia. And for them, it's really a great opportunity to see something new. Mm. Um, for us, it's also a business there's so much airlift and so many opportunities to fly into dubai to join the voyage so it's really great like that um i think you know another reason is really it's just an amazing city right yeah. there's amazing facilities here um you know dubai has committed to making cruise a destination and i think for us it's important to work with partners that really want to do that uh, listen the cruise industry is one that has been long established here but it's really grown in yeah. recent years apart from the blip of course of covid etc but it seems to have bounced back from that with that comes greater infrastructure across yeah. the region for yes. cruise liners yeah um, Dubai Harbour is one of the newest harbours yeah. yes. as well. Um, how did you find it? Um, actually, it's it's one of my favourites, right? I've, I've had the opportunity to be in a lot of places around the world. And they really, what it is, is, you know, Jamal and his team there have really worked to make sure that it's welcoming. Um, you know, we arrived the other day and they had dancers out there. They had the police there. They had the police band there. They really created a welcoming sense. And on top of that, it's also just the facilities themselves, right? Mm -hmm. They're really designed to accommodate ships of our size and even larger ships than ours. And, and the way they've done it, it's just really very much designed for but also functional, which for me in my business, what we do is making sure that the customer has a great time. And if we can have a space like that, it's just really great. What, in your professional opinion, what's the, what's the potential for the cruise line industry in this region? Yeah, I, I just think that it, there's so much because of the fact that there's so many opportunities near here, um, whether it's you know what we call a port of call, we're stopping for the day to really go out and see the amazing things of Dubai, or as well just you know starting and ending a voyage here or, mm -hmm. or cruise here. And I think that there's a lot more opportunity, but I do know that Dubai Harbor's had you know almost 100 calls this year, which is it's pretty impressive to see that when you know the facilities are only about two years old. So for me, it's it's obviously a sign that they're doing something right, and there's an opportunity to grow in the future. Your facilities on the Resident Lady yeah. and the other ladyships are, yeah. are, are, are are not old, that's for sure. No, definitely. Um, and as I'm led to believe, they're a breath of fresh air yes, as well. Yes, that's uh, definitely been the energy behind it. Is that one of the sort of the inspirations? Yeah, it, we've really talked about like this inclusive luxury, right? Where it's just kind of like everything is kind of included, but it's not in the, in your face. It's kind of you can go about, enjoy. Um, we've really got inspired by a lot of the major cities around the world. And we've really got inspired about, you know, kind of attracting those that maybe have never cruised in the past, which for me, I think Dubai is a location that maybe many of the local 
vehicles might not have had the opportunity to cruise. And I think what the product we've designed has really been based on that. Mm. Did the brand, if we, if we took cruising as a brand, if you like, yeah. did it need disrupting? I think, yeah, that's why we're there, right? So Richard Branson is known to coming into industries, disrupting it, changing it up, making it something new, um, taking the good and adding in from other places. And I think that's something that we've really focused on, you know, from the food and beverage that we include, you know, from the entertainment that we've redesigned it. You know, it's, it's more about being connected to something, being part of something. And I think that is really what we've, you know, kind of given to the, our customers. Uh are they all adults only? Yes, yes. So all of our vessels are 18 and above. Um, you know, we say we love your children, but not on board our ships unless they're <laughs> above 18. Um, and it's really, you know, creating a different energy, right? You, when you do that, you can have nice fine dining experiences. You know, when, when you do that, you can allow adults to just kind of relax and let their hair down. And that's what we really thought about when we built everything out. I love the facilities, you know, from the rock star suites to all the other bits of pieces, yeah. the 20 restaurants, etc. One that you have to explain to me, though, you yes. know, because obviously I'd go straight to the gym. What on earth is a My Beast adult playground? <laughs> That's a good question. So um, those who are maybe used to doing those kind of outdoor activations or activities, that area is actually one of those. It's an outdoor gym. Uh. So it's got a lot of different equipment that's really there. And we talk about our energy of like that detox and retox, kind of going out and having that fun. But also the next day, maybe you might need to do a little fitness to get yourself back in shape. So that's what that is. Give me an overview of the cruising industry as a whole. I sort of highlighted that, yeah, COVID times were tough for just about mm -hmm. every industry, none more so than cruising as well. Yeah. Has the industry bounced back? You know, we've definitely seen a lot of, of interest come back. I mean, ourselves, you know, launching our whole brand at, right post that period, it's really been successful, right? People have seen that we've really come out to do something, and our peers in the industry have said the similar things where everyone is ready to go back on holiday, right? That, you know, a lot of people are looking to go and explore and experience things. You know, we're in the, in the era of experience, right? And so I think the way we, we've done and what we've tried to communicate and get out there is that this is who we are this is what we're doing and we're seeing it right this past year we've you know received condonest travelers best cruise ship um, travel and leisure's best cruise ship as well as you know cruise critic which is you know the customers of our industry and i think they're saying that because we focus on what the experience is going to be we're allowing people to come back out enjoy their life and i think that's what's really you know come to fruition and what we've seen come out um, and in terms of sort of year on year, we're coming to the end of 2023. More in the pipeline for, yes. for the cruises in yeah. 2024? Yeah, so definitely um, for us at Virgin Voyages, we're really excited about what the future brings for us. You know, a lot of new itineraries are coming. We just announced 19 of those. Um, so a lot of new destinations. We will still continue to keep Dubai as a location that we um, have Resilient Lady coming in and out. Um, so there's lots to come in the future. And I, I definitely think it's an industry and, and a place where people should consider, right? Especially the way we do it at Virgin Voyages. It's something unique. It's something different. And it's something that really aligns to what people are looking for when it comes to like a, an epic holiday, as we say. So she might be steaming towards Singapore, as we see, but yes. as we say, but you say that Resilient or another of the ladies will be back soon. Is yes, that right? yes. In, in April, um, Resilient Lady will be actually be back in town. Looking Hopefully I'll be able to join too. Indeed. Well, we'll catch up with you for yeah, sure. Thank you so much. Uh, for a little workout in the adult playground amongst <laughs> others. Uh, listen, I was thanking you. Thanks so much indeed for your time. Thanks My also pleasure. for popping up down to Dubai Commerce City. Yeah, it's great. Exploring the city yeah, a little bit as exactly. well. Big thanks to Alex Lights uh, for joining us from Virgin Voyages. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.